Put your two hands on the hurl podcast. 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 Hello, and you're very welcome to episode five of the Two Hands on the Hurl podcast. My name is Anthony Cullerton. I'm uh, your presenter tonight. It should be Mark Ryan, unfortunately, tonight, but he's unavailable tonight. So um, he's, well, when I say unavailable, he's um, he's balls deep, basically, in Belgian waffles, chocolate and beer. So, uh, yeah, he's um, he's a bit on the, on the yeah sore head side of things at the moment. So get well soon, Mark, <laughs> and uh, cure the hangover and come back to us. Um, but also with me tonight, we have three other magnificent men. Uh, starting off with the beast from the southeast, um, our bad mother rucker. It's uh, Liam O'Neill. How are we, Liam? Not too bad, man. The more I hear these uh, intros about me, the more I like them, lads. The more, yeah, I really, really <laughs> like them. <laughs> Uh, next up, we have uh, a man that we usually take the piss out of quite a bit on the podcast, to be fair. Um, we'll try and be a bit easier tonight. Although, in fairness, we can never really hear him, so why not? Uh, it's TJ Miller-Mills. How are we, Mills? Good, thanks, Anthony, and yourself? Asher, can't complain, thanks, can't complain. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the newest member of the Two Hands in the Hurl podcast, the man we call the Encyclopedia, because he's full of facts and knowledge, but amazingly, it's still as thick as one. So it's Robbie Mansfield. Robbie, how are we? Well, well, boys, how's it going? He's well. We're good, we're good. Robbie, tell us about yourself. Uh, well, Put I'm you uh, <laughs> good friends with uh, Dreamy Leamy there, the beast from the southeast there. And uh, he oh, was saying that he needed some help with some uh, topics and uh, some, uh, some knowledge bombs. And I'm here to drop knowledge bombs for... Uh, all even here. Great. Great. Well, we can do it all the knowledge we can because we haven't got a fact between the, between the rest of the three of us, in fairness. So, uh, yeah, we can yeah. do it all the facts we can get. No so, pressure, boys. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> pressure. You're very welcome, Robert. You're very, you're very, very welcome. Uh, so, guys, uh, it's been a crazy week, really, so far. Um, and as the days goes on, seems to, things seem to be getting crazier and crazier and crazier. So, um, we... Just to address one thing before we start out, we ran a poll on Instagram and Facebook there a couple of weeks ago, um, asking our listeners if they thought we should run with sport as we have predominantly being, or should we encourage, um, should we include more current affairs and maybe you know a little bit more comedy in our in in our podcast. So the poll poll was overwhelmingly in favour of more current affairs and more funny stuff alongside sport. So we'll be trying to bring that to you tonight. Um, It'll be our debut podcast, so please stick with us if, if we're not as funny as we think we are, because we think we're hilarious, but uh, yeah, we're probably not, really, are we, lads? No, you're you're not, Anthony, no, sorry. I'm bro. not, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm sorry, yeah, I know, yeah, I'm probably the worst <laughs> presenter to have for this week's podcast when we're trying to be funny, but anyway. I think this, uh, would have guys, been, this would have been a good week for TJ, because he is the most serious man to talk once you get him going. <laughs> oh, shite, though, Liam, let's be honest, like, I mean, it's not, I guess, not it's, sense. It, it, it's all about that tone of voice, isn't it? There's something beautiful about it, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When he turns up the mic, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Atik is the kind of guy that can just like talk you into bed from like the other side of the world. He's he's a he's a beautiful silky voice, like in fairness, hasn't he? Larry T. Lockdown's doing nothing for me business, lads. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, guys, actually, I'm going to start with TJ tonight. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'm going to start with TJ tonight because he's, <laughs> he's got a bit of an axe to grind uh, tonight. The GA guidelines, guys, are causing a lot of controversy over the last couple of days after the government restrictions announcing that all games will be behind closed doors going forward. TJ, I'm going to let you run. <laughs> ah, lads, I genuinely don't know what to say about it. I mean, we're chatting here a couple of weeks ago. And I was highlighting the fact of having 200 people in a county ground, how that didn't make sense, even adhering social distancing. I mean, if you had capacity of, what, 25 to, what, Nolan Park's 27,800, or more Park, what, 23, 24,000 and 200 people, but now not to allow any supporters in, I just don't think it makes sense. I genuinely don't. I try and adhere to public health advice and everything and encourage it with encourage it to everyone our teams I'd be involved with but where the I I 
called out for the science behind it, I won't lie, and I fully back the GEA looking for just show where the the what would you say the guidelines came from to say that no supporter should be allowed. Um it's going to drive people, especially the likes of county finals, it's going to drive people into houses, it's going to drive people into I know you're not meant to go in, you're meant to go in for a meal, but it's going to drive people into public houses maybe to watch games if they're being streamed. And that's where I think it doesn't make sense. Um, if they try to, what would you say, try to divide up that, if a game's in club grounds, well, maybe they have to be a bit less of a capacity than county grounds or something like that. Or even they kind of give, say, something here, we're concerned about congregation outside grounds that you're going to have to have more stewards there or something, or you're going to have to use major grounds or something with multiple entrances and exits. I think it makes sense. But honestly, lads, I see no common sense behind it. Um, And yeah, I'm outraged over it. I won't lie. Um, been locked down for five months and the social outlet there for an awful lot of people's after being taken away and the atmosphere there for players that are after putting in an effort as well is going to be non-existent. Wexford came to finals on the weekend and there are going to be no supporters there. I just don't think it's right, lads. Uh, Robbie, do you want to come in on that? Yeah, well, I think... Is the GA and like sport, is it like an easy target for the government to say, to kind of to put, to put the blame onto kind of sport and sporting events and kind of away from the, the meat factory floor, you know? So there's probably a whole lot of issues with low paid workers uh, in meat factories and uh, they're probably not getting paid great wages either they're all living together probably can't afford to go on sick leave when if they're getting tested for COVID-19 and is it kind of this a way to deflect from the bigger issues or where the kind of the the main spread has uh, come from because a few weeks ago we were kind of uh, all was going good and then the meat factories there was kind of uh, a few clusters there and is this a way to deflect from you know, uh, a bigger issue. That's what I'd be thinking, anyway. You know? Fucking hell, Robbie. Yeah, Mr. Encyclopedia right there. Yeah, Come in, hitting us with all the facts. Man. <laughs> I told you. I told you. I thought he was going to hit us with the bullshit. But, but like the bullshit. Like... <laughs> My only bullshit here is that. Uh, yeah, like it could be like a way to... Are GA like an easy target? Like are they kind of like... Because you see like the GA games on uh, at the weekend and you hear people saying our oh, fans aren't distancing and all this sort of stuff. So is it, is it an easy out for, you know, the higher ups to say, this is the problem. This is where it's coming from. And it deflects from their own failings. Well, going by the guidelines, it's, and listening, like I'll be a nerd in a sense, listening to, and I don't mean anything bad by the press conferences with the, the figures twice a week. They were saying that it is an actual, the games, themselves it isn't players on the field or management teams or anyone like that they're saying that it's people congregating outside now if you have 120 supporters maybe 60 from each side that isn't really a congregation outside being honest even going by the guidelines that were issued there a while ago it still went well under 200 even if they were congregation but there are saying people sharing lifts to matches and all of that. That's personal responsibility. That's my, that'd be my thinking on it. You're not going to, if you had a congregation outside a county ground, the likes of Nolan Park, Parky Creeve, Wexford Park, or Moore Park, you'll barely see with the multiple entrances and exits, you barely notice 120 people. Yeah, but can I play devil's advocate here for a second, T, and just say to you, professional sports have no supporters at the moment. Why should amateur sports be any different? It's a valid point. It's a valid point, but like you can see, even over in Great Britain last week, the World Snooker Final, they allowed crowds back in. There are talks of Premier League games 
the start of the season, allowing supporters back in. Um, I, I, if there's rationale behind it, and I, I'd be fair this way, I, I'm not happy with it, I won't lie, and I know a good few people aren't. But if they can come out, or the government, and I don't think it's Netflix's job, I genuinely don't. Uh, Dr. Ronan Glynn, I don't think it's actually his job to come out and defend decisions that he's given. It's actually the government that make the decisions. So I maybe slightly disagree with GA there. I would like to see the evidence behind it, but I think it's actually should be the government because they are the elected officials that will be kind of uh, dealing maybe with a backlash or whatever, whatever down the line. But if there are evidence there to say here, they are clusters coming out of attendances at games. Our supporters uh, stand in socially distance in the pitch. If they can actually come out with that, I will say here, wholeheartedly say, yeah, okay, you're right. But I agree with Robbie. All of this issue came out of the meat factories and the conditions there. I think the GA was a simple target more than, say, capitalism would be. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, what I will do here, guys, is not to dwell on this for too long, but um, and not to, to run away from it either, but to link it in with something else, we have the exciting news about the return of rugby this weekend, which I think we're all really, really looking forward to. But, Limo, how will this affect the game of rugby, not having any supporters present? Well, I was just thinking, like, um, is it going to take away a kind of home field advantage? You know, like, uh, obviously fair, Munster, playing game, fair playing field for everybody, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Because um, if you have, just say, Munster travel up to Leinster, you're obviously going to have more Leinster fans to turn up. You know, they have that uh, that thing of the sea of blue in terms of supporters. Like That's the amount that would turn up. Mm. It's just look up into that stadium and everything is blue. So I think it's really going to take away that and it's kind of going to level out the playing field. Um, but uh, it is, it's definitely taken away from the sport a good bit. Like. Is Munster yeah. Lancer in the Aviva or the RDS? It's in the Aviva. I think it's the Aviva, yeah. Yeah. Does it kind of like, is that kind of like a neutral venue anyway for like the Munster guys? Because, you know, they're fairly used to playing there. Whereas I think the RDS is more of like a, a home advantage for Lancer, you know? Yeah, but like if you take it away, that like st- stop thinking of the players here, right? Think of the fans. Um, the amount of vibe that comes from the fans onto that pitch to help the teams out is unreal. So, like, if you have extra home fans or extra away fans, that's going to be a big factor into how well you perform. Or, like, if I make a big turnover on a pitch, you know, the, the massive roar that's going to come there behind me is, is gone now. And that thing that could turn the... Are they going to have... You know the way they had it the soccer? They had the... The the uh, the sound the sound of the fans as well. Are they going to have that for the rugby, or do you know? I don't know, but I'd be guessing yes, they will have it. They have it for the NRL down in Australia when that originally came back. So I would yeah. imagine they will have it for this as well. I think so. But definitely, probably not the same as like if you make a you know, as Liam's saying, like a game-winning turnover, like the the buzz and the atmosphere from that. Like you're never going to be able to replicate replicate that like over the Tannoy in the stadium. No, no, and in particular, like, don't get me wrong, I'm a Leinster fan through and through, but I have been to a good few games in Tolman Park as well, and as great and all as the RDS is or the Aviva when Leinster are playing, they're not in comparison to Tolman Park, it's an incredible atmosphere before games. Um, oh, amazing. Oh, amazing. just hair standing up on the back of your neck, it's, I love, it's, it's fabulous. I actually, I love that stadium so much, I've been to more Munster games than I have Leinster games. I, 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 well, for me, it's only exactly an hour from here, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's an incredible stadium. Yeah. Um, but that is going to be a huge thing for Munster going forward. I think the, the crowd is such a part of Munster rugby. Um, it is, yeah, yeah. It's going to hurt them, I think, a little bit. Um, there won't be the same fear factor there. I mean, you you know, you go down to Tom Park, you've got twenty thousand probably or the twenty two thousand is there, mad for Munster. You know, like if you're an away if you're an away team, you're looking for your little jerseys dotted around the crowds. That's about all you've got. Like you know, it's it's quite an intimidating atmosphere. So it is going to definitely hurt us. I I I fear. But 
on the upside, and move a little bit away from negative stuff and, and guidelines and all that right now, the return of rugby is coming, guys. And Leinster versus Munster will have happened by the time you hear this podcast. But what a way to start back rugby. I mean, this is going to be fantastic, oh, isn't it? Lads, it's like, it's, dream, it's dreams. It's dreams come true. Like, if it could come back <laughs> to one game, if rugby could start back at one game of your choice, this would be my choice. Connacht yeah. Ulster, way better game, I'd say. I'd say it could be tighter, yeah. And but Robbie think... is off the podcast. <laughs> Good luck, Robbie. <laughs> that was clearly a joke. Clearly a joke, guys. <laughs> but yeah, no, like that could be that could be a tighter game, but uh, I think like there's going to be some serious hits in this in Leinster Munster. There's going to be some serious plays. I think the teams have been back long enough now that they're they're an oil machine again. Like so, uh, I think it's it's exciting to say the least. The scary thing about it, lads, is to see the way the players are after bulking themselves up during the during the. Oh, lads, have you seen Bundy Aki? The man, the shoulders on him. I, think I was just about to say that. Um, I was sent a picture on social media there recently of Bundy Aki in training, and it was absolutely terrifying. I mean, he's a massive man anyway, but my God, I mean, he's just a whole new animal now. Boys, even uh, that one of uh, Johnny Sexton that was floating around kind of early enough lockdown. Yeah. My God. Is this, uh, myself and Neem were chatting away from the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Is this, is this kind of the Irish setup feeding in um, the, God, I should know, the Irish head coach. I can't think. Andy Farrell. Andy Farrell, sorry. <laughs> is this kind of Andy Farrell feeding into the Irish game? Because if you look at Six Nations, I don't mean to be going off topic. We were being bullied around by the English side. Is this kind yeah. of thing to say here, we need to bulk up and the kind of lockdown was the opportunity that the players had to kind of maybe work on the strength and conditioning system. Yeah, I think this is a, this was definitely like an SNC coach's dream, whereas they've had no games to stand in the way. They've had a lot of the players kind of had a, have had their home gyms set up. Like if you follow Andrew Porter on Instagram, the man has a full squat rack and a load of bar just outside his window, it like he's gone into a beast as well, lads. Um, not that he wasn't a beast before this, but oh my god, like he scared me when I looked at a picture of him. Um, but yeah, I think uh, this was the SNC's dream of there's no games to stand in the way. Players have plenty of time to recover and get over injuries, and they can like sit back, they can rest, they can recover, and they can train to their heart's content kind of job. Would it slow down? Game would it slow down the game, Liam? I mean, like with that bulk and muscle there, would it slow it down, or would you think it won't have any effect in it? Ooh, tough question, TJ. I think if the training programs were followed correctly, I don't think it's going to slow it down. Um, because like if you look at England, they are they're all big boys out there, and there's no sign of any slow lads on that pitch. Like, even their props, like Kyle Sinclair, um, I can't remember what match it was last year, but he made a break and he made about 30 metres on that pitch to score a try. And there was no one near him to tackle him. And he is big of big, like. So, I don't, I don't think I mean, it's going to slow anyone down. Like, you take South Africa as well. I mean, they're a team of monsters, let's be honest. They're one of the biggest, if not the biggest team to ever say a rugby field. And they're all flyers. Yeah. No one's slow on that team. No, no, it's quite incredible, really, isn't it? Like you think about ten or fifteen years ago, how like you know rugby rugby players would have been odd shapes. It would have been like myself, like a bit far around the midsection and stuff like that. Like, but try to be a prop or whatever. Like, you know I mean, now it's it's you're a machine and you can travel as well. Like, you're not slow. You can travel the length of the field. You know what I mean? In in ten, twelve seconds, whatever it takes. Um, it's quite incredible how how rugby players have evolved over the last twenty years, in particular. Um, but the return of rugby is a big positive thing and hopefully over the weekend it's going to give the people of Ireland something to sink their teeth into to try and get them away from the seriousness of what's happening outside and, and in the fake world of soccer about... sorry Robbie I was going to say uh, hopefully uh, we're not talking about uh, Johnny Sexton tackling someone with his head uh, yeah, this time next week <laughs> yeah yeah for the first weekend without a concussion that'd be great yeah Oh, yeah. Hopefully, Rick, someone Rick. sat down Johnny Saxon and saying, "Stop, 
tackling with your head. Okay, just stop doing it. They yeah, had you're going to have brain months. damage anyway. Just stop. <laughs> five months of every single day, Johnny. Shoulder. Johnny. Head to the side, tackle shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> or, or just say like, Johnny, Johnny, you know, like you have like a heap of, uh, heap of uh, forwards in front of you there that are supposed to take the hits for you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I've never seen, uh, like, Baron Johnny uh, Wilkinson, to be fair, I've never seen another fly half take as much punishment as Sexton is taking. I mean, it's yeah. him and Wilkinson were, are two of the same similar types of players that love to be involved in the defence as well. But it definitely comes at the cost of serious, yeah. serious like, knocks. Like, yeah. it really he, loves, he loves his defence. He is a great worker in defence. But there's like, when someone singles him out and runs at him, they just like, it's like he just forgets how to tackle and they just run into his face. Yeah. It's like, there's the Dan Bigger for Wales as well. <laughs> he's always getting, he's always getting uh, smashed up. Like he's like he's not as built as Sexton, and he kind of throws himself in just as much, and he just gets yeah. absolutely mangled. Um, I believe the term is reckless abandon. I believe that's how they kind of throw themselves into tackles. It's a stop at any cost, but it's immensely brave. But I mean, it does come at a cost, and yeah, yeah. Anyway, you know, maybe a story for another day. Do the forwards call there? The speed bump. What did the forwards call that? Speed bump. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So, yeah. guys, we'll move away from the real manly world of soccer and into the maybe boys' sport of soccer. Or sorry, we'll move away from the manly sport of rugby, I should say, and into the maybe boys' sport of soccer, as some people have called it recently, because there's so much diving in this sport now, it's getting harder and harder to watch. But, obviously, Bayern Munich disposed of Barcelona in emphatic fashion, shall we say, A2 in the Champions League uh, quarterfinals there recently. Uh... And the club seems to be in turmoil. Kara uh, PK gave a quite extraordinary um, uh, post-match interview where he said he'd be happy to leave the club if he thought it would improve it. He thinks the club is is basically in tatters from from top to bottom. Um, Messi is apparently going. Is the rumor this week? Now we should say Ronald Koeman has just been announced as the head coach, and I believe Ronald Koeman's first job will be to go in and talk to Messi, and promise him massive amounts of money to uh, stay at the club. Because I think if they lose Messi, they really have lost it. By the way, there was one point when I, when I was talking to one of my friends about this during the week. He said, Messi's such a loyal player to Barcelona, I don't think he'll go. I did a bit of research. Messi's had nine contract extensions in 15 seasons at Barcelona. Nine contract extensions. So Messi's loyalty comes with a hefty pay, uh, pay hike. So... You know, now, one of the greatest ever, and, you know, obviously maybe the greatest ever, and look, you've seen the amount of money he earns. I mean, or fair enough, it's it's what a modern soccer player gets paid. The question I have for you guys is, if Messi leaves Barcelona, where does he go? It has to be either to America or China, or somewhere like that, somewhere where there are big bucks. I mean, it's a big gamble for Barcelona to trying to, now no offence, but try and build a team around a player that's 33, who's actually what maybe has two, three years left really in their prime. Like, or I won't say in their prime, but maybe two or three years left max playing. You probably should cash in on Messi, Messi now while they have the chance, as you're saying, like, and just go for broke and rebuild the squad. Yeah, I think like if they if they do sell Messi, like even I know he's going to bring in a hefty fee. So if they sell Messi, they'll have like they already have a decent squad there to that they won't have to bring in a massive amount of players. But like if they try to do what um what Chelsea's been doing and bring in a few players up from the youth squad or the youth system, try to get them to become leaders themselves and to grow themselves, like I think it could work, but um, I don't think Messi's going to leave that. I really don't. Well, it is speculation. I mean, that's what we must stress. It is speculation. It's not, there's nothing concrete here yet. And as I say, Ronald Koeman has just been appointed manager. So I'd imagine you'd, you'd think he might give him a couple of months and maybe at the earliest, maybe January, if he moves on. I don't know. I, I can't see him moving this summer. But you never know in football if enough money's in the talking. Like, you've got two teams here that I think are pretty standout candidates to maybe sign Messi because they can promise them I've seen so much money and that's PSG and Man City. Do you think they're candidates? Yeah, I was going to say them as well. Definitely they're in the ballpark. Also, you've got the Neymar action at uh, PSG. Sorry, Robbie, you just uh, broke up there. I think you said Neymar. Uh, Man City as well. So, 
Yeah, Neymar at PSG, and then you've got uh, yeah. Pep Guardiola at Man City. So there's a kind of uh, a friendly face that could go along with the money, you know? Yeah, 100%. TJ? Yeah, I, I just, I, I was listening there. I was TJ? TJ has left the building. I was just doing a bit of research there, just looking it up quickly. And it's the rumours circulating that Lionel Messi's after kind of giving Coleman a, an ultimatum at the moment saying there's no future there. So um, going back to the question, I honestly think, i say be, um, I'm not sure if clubs in America be kind of target, but he'll definitely go somewhere with money, maybe somewhere in Asia. It might sound strange, but I think that's kind of where the money is at the moment. And um, like, they really, I think they really have to cash in because it is a kind of a rebuilding job at Barcelona. I mean, if you look back to last year, you would have seen when Liverpool bet him, you would have seen here, fair enough, might have been a blip in the radar. Same thing happening this year, A2 defeat. I mean, there's serious work there. And I think the club needs to cash in. I think the club needs to cash in to be able to spend because I don't think the financial situation there is too healthy, being honest. What would you get for a 33-year-old Messi? I know Ronaldo, he moved to Juve a few years ago and like compared to like Neymar and Mbappe going for 200 million, he went for, I think it was like million to Juve, so are they going to get that much money for Messi? So I don't know if they're going to get enough money to be able to rebuild a, a squad. Well, my two cents on Messi would be, I think you get 100 million for Messi because you make it back in short sales within a year. Um, like when Pogba and Ibrahimovic came to yeah. Man United, I mean Pogba basically paid for or sorry Ibrahimovic basically paid for Pogba's transfer fee with just in short sales. So I think someone like Messi can and Ronaldo was similar actually at Juve. I think I seen I can't remember exactly the figures, but it was something ridiculous. It was like fifty million in short sales in the first like two or three months he was at the club. It was outrageous. Like so, he would have easily cleared his transfer fee within the first year in short sales alone. Um, so superstars like some Messi, Neymar. You know, Ronaldo, that these guys make crazy money on short sales. So maybe you get 100 million from him, I'd say. I, th- I think you should. I mean, he's the best player maybe ever. In my opinion, he is the best ever. That's uh, open to interpretation. But um, certainly the best player I've ever seen. But uh, I think, yeah, I think you definitely get 100 million for Leo Messi. Yeah, definitely in the ballpark. But is it going to like rebuild the squad? Like, how many like world class players are Barcelona going to buy? Back with a hundred million in in today's market, you've got Harry Maguire for eighty yeah. million there. So like, yeah, you're not going to rebuild the squad on the money you're going to get for Messi. So no, know. although it's a hard one. On, on that point, though, the whole bar, the whole Bayern Munich team that are in the Champions League final cost ninety one million to assemble. The eleven players that will start that game cost ninety one million. And Harry Maguire cost 18 million I think that puts modern football into perspective um, <laughs> but on that note guys um, we might head for a little tea break um, we will be back with current affairs with a little bit of a funny segment called what would the Irish do and then we'll have our highball so that's all to come after the break we'll talk to you in a few minutes oh Carnage gone oh. time guys oh. <laughs> welcome back to part two of the two hands and a hurl podcast uh, I am still Anthony Cullerton. We still have Robbie, Liam, and TJ with us here. Um, what did you get up during the break, guys? I had. I didn't actually have my Carnegie scone, which uh, was quite disappointing. But I did have a pot of jelly, which was unreal. Jelly? Uh, what flavour jelly? Jelly. I one of them was strawberry, and then the other one was like a blackcurrant. Um, I couldn't. Yeah, I think like strawberry is great. But I think I was kind of more leaning towards the blackcurrant. Like, it was unreal. Blackcurrant is next level. It really is, isn't it? It's just... Can I, quick question. Jelly and ice cream together? Yes or no? Oh, every day. Yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. Oh, yeah. Like, like they're, they're, they're great separately. They're great together. Like, I, I'd nearly prefer them separately, though. I, I wouldn't eat them unless they were separate. I'm sorry. Yeah? Ah, Robbie. I'm weird. I'm weird. I'm weird. Robbie, man. Sorry, guys. Robbie. I'll just I'll leave the podcast. Robbie, were you eating 
just during the breakdown were you eating a bowl of ice cream and then you ate a bowl of jelly? Yeah. <laughs> that, okay, that's how you were all. Okay. That's how we were all. Not together, you don't mix. But they're all mixing. They're mixing in your stomach now, though, Robbie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Good point. Well, you, what you got to? I was making sure the first half recorded, so that was my... <laughs> <laughs> I say you had TJ a cheeky Tommy uh, Dodo. Yeah, TJ was looking up more stats on the porn industry. That's what TJ was up to, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, yeah cheeky Tommy. Just to, to guys, to the folks, to the listeners uh, that don't know, we actually took about a 40-minute break there waiting on TJ to pop back on. So yeah. there's there's something suspicious there, TJ. TJ <laughs> had a long, long time to listen over part one. A long time. <laughs> you could listen to part one twice. <laughs> he could have but I don't know why he would have wasted his time but anyway <laughs> um, <laughs> okay guys um, first lot this week very interesting developments over the last um, couple of days where Steve Bannon one of um, Donald Trump's former top advisors it's been alleged of basically fraud um, he raised 25 million at a um, at a conference called We Build the Wall. It was to help build the wall between the US and Mexico, um, and essentially he's been he's alleged that the money is being used for his own profit or the profit of the people who have set up this uh, fundraiser, and it's another one of a series of events that has come back by Donald Trump in the athlete recently um, last week. He famously um, talked about having his head put on Mount Rushmore. In the same sentence, he was basically talking about how the shower heads were insufficient in America and how they don't wash his hair well enough. In the midst of one of the worst crises America has ever faced in 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 the face or in the in the sense of COVID nineteen. Um, Bannon obviously has his problems, but Trump has a few more. Um, where do we stand in this, guys? The big question. Well, I want. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say what I want to know is how did they raise twenty-five million to build a wall between America and Mexico? I don't know, but I'd love to have them involved in raising funds for Cambridge GA because if we twenty-five million <laughs> by chance, we build some out of, we build a stadium down there, so we would. You have a few points on the way too, so you would. Oh, it's just some clubhouse. Oh, like literally disco, or you'd have a you'd have a club, the whole lot, like you'd have a clubhouse and a club, basically. What I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, I got that. I got that. The listeners yeah, were. Wasn't he going to get the Mexicans to build a wall, though? No. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> that was the original were they, were planning, they, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Were they not paying for the wall? Have they stopped doing that now? That's not happening anymore. Yeah, remember there was rumours at the start where he he thought Mexico should pay for the wall, even though it's America that was suggesting it. I kind of thought that myself was a bit. I don't know whether he officially said that now or not, but it was one of the things he was alleged to have said, or at least alleged. I think he definitely wall. said it. He definitely said it. Did he? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, that, well, it doesn't surprise me. I, mean, just... <laughs> I think Anto was trying to remain a bit impartial there, Rob, but no. No, yeah, Rob has just gone all it. in. Like he's like, yeah, I'm all in on this, lads. I'm all in. My cards are on the table. Well, he said, he said it. <laughs> he said it. He said it. Like there's like, it's there's no two ways around this. He said it, lads. We can you get uh, TJ to fact check this, please. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, in all honesty, a US president associated with guys that are accused now. I know, I know it's alleged. We have to say it's alleged that yeah, yeah. he's basically fraudulently claimed twenty five million from people at a fundraiser, but um, called "We Build the Wall." By the way, um. But for a president to be recorded about saying he wants his head on Mount Rushmore is quite incredible, isn't it? Really, like I think the shower head is incredible, though, isn't it? Like, <laughs> to turn up, what is it? Turn basically turn up the PSI that he gets more water on his head or something, was it? Yes, um, it was something that was amended. Uh, now I have very rough details on this, but it was something that was amended years ago, um, to actually help with conservation of water in America. Um, and essentially they cut down on how much water could come through a shower head in order for people to use less water during a shower, I imagine. But he wants that increased now because he doesn't feel he washed his hair well enough. Well, guys, as a man with uh, no hair, I'm going to have to you know, ask you the question. Do you feel <laughs> that your hair washing experience over the last while you know, could be improved or not? 
I think my hair washing it has, you know, in terms of me washing my hair, I have my two hands on the hurl. Hands on the hurl. <laughs> <laughs> and what about putting your head in Mount Rushmore, Liam? What about that? You want to put your head in Mount Rushmore as well? Or that, and Mount Rushmore as well? I think if the people wanted, it's going to happen. You know, I'm not going to say no, I'm not going to ask for it, but if the people wanted, I'd pause for it. <laughs> and what about Trump? Is he going to put his face up in Mount Rushmore and basically tan himself in and everything he is? Oof. I don't, <laughs> yeah, well, I, th- I think if he does go up, he's going to have to go up tanned. Um, <laughs> oh, definitely. 100%. <laughs> definitely, yeah. What do you think, TJ? You know a lot about tans, so you, you should comment on this, really. <laughs> yeah, farmer's tans now. Um, no, I was just actually thinking, I was trying to think of the same because I'm worth it. Maybe when he's made elected <laughs> come November, he could become the face of L'Oreal. Get me face brushed. TJ, I'm sorry for laughing, but as soon as you said, because I'm worried, I kind of just, I had a little giggle. I heard Anthony having a giggle there as well. But yeah. You are, yeah. are worried, TJ. You are worried. I'm on about Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think up his new PR campaign because... What, 75 days out from the presidential election? I mean, come on, lads. Jesus, a shower head. I mean, if, like, you're, you'd rip the piss out of ads on the television on about shampoo or, um, I mean, this thing about getting his face on Mount Rushmore as well. I mean, I was just looking up there, actually, when you were talking. Seven, Steve Bannon would be the seventh person associated with Donald Trump either to be suspected of charges or to be charged. So, like, it couldn't be a worse PR campaign going into an election. No, like, in fairness, it's like, it's like being lined up, basically, with, like, a heap of criminals where you know everyone's guilty and then hoping someone picks you and says, no, he's the innocent one. You know, it's it's the complete opposite of a normal lineup, basically. Like, just Trump is standing there with all these people around him, and they're all getting taken down by the cops and whoever else is, is I'm assuming the FBI probably or somebody is investigating them. And uh, Trump is the one that's left standing at the end of it, saying, "Oh no, no, no! Like, I was completely clean during all this." Like, <laughs> I'm, smart man. <laughs> to wonder, did he do kind of like do you know what GA clubs are doing? Sponsor a brick, like, did he go? Out- <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty expensive. It must have been a gold brick tea, was it? <laughs> that could work for building his wall. Sponsor a brick. Well, <laughs> you start. If you look at the population of America, what, 330 million? I mean, yeah, around that, yeah. Less than what, 25 cents a brick, or even less than that, like. Way less than that. Sorry, what am I talking about? Like, So go around each house with an envelope, say, here, sponsor a brick for the wall, like. So, TJ, what you're suggesting, or just let me get this straight for our listeners in America, because we have some, that <laughs> you want the American people to pay for an American wall to divide it from Mexico. Oh, no, I'm on about Mexico. He was saying, like Robbie was saying, he was saying that Mexico were going to pay. So if the government didn't pay, they went door to door in Mexico, say, here, sponsor a brick like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we could. yeah, you could always do that, I suppose. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, Liam, if if Kilkenny RFC are ever looking for for uh, a new clubhouse, we can go door to door throughout the whole entire country to all four and a half million people on the island or more, and say, "Will you sponsor twenty five cents or sponsor break?" I think that'd work. That, that I think that could work. TJ, you're onto something here, man. Write this shit well, down, guys. <laughs> guys, just to blow a hole in your plan there, like you can't go door to door, door to door in the current environment. You have have to bring a substantial meal with you or at least a pint, <laughs> or make, make sure there's not there's not six people in the in the house at any one, at any one point yeah because if, if you're from like so, if you're allowed to have people from three separate households but then you'll be the fourth household so you'll be the law but if you have a substantial meal though you'll be grand if you have if you have a, a carvery dinner in front of you it's no problem yeah but what if your substantial meal consists of 15 pints that's a and substantial it, meal to it, me and a, a gin at the end of that too Oh yeah, but he has a pint of gin and tonic. Yeah, at the end of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, to go no, back been... to Trump for a second, uh, yeah. like to be honest, like Donald Trump could like walk outside the White House and shoot someone in the face, and there's still a good percentage of the American population that will still vote for him, even still. Like so, there's like 
there's no change in their minds. You know, it might like there might be some people in the middle in America, and then there's people on the other side who completely hate him. But just he has his loyal band of people that will vote for him, like no matter what. Like so, this whole controversy, like to him, is for his voter base is probably not a big deal. I know. I... Yeah, I mean, he's definitely got a more loyal um, voting base than than we say his, his competitor Joe Biden. Like, who will be the Democratic uh, candidate for the presidency, but. I thought Biden will have to win his supporters. Trump at least has a starting point where he knows he has X amount of votes. I mean, we don't know how much that could be. It could be 10%, it could be 50%, who knows? I mean, you never really know what these things. But um, yeah, Biden's definitely got all the work to do. But anyway, we won't talk about Biden tonight anyway because we're talking about one 70-year-old president. We don't want to be talking about a second potential one. But uh, yeah, Trump is definitely... <laughs> between Steve Bannon and all the other things that have gone on around Trump lately, it's just been one disaster after another. Like, it's kind of... A, it's incredible, like... It's incredible for a leader of a country, in particular, one of the biggest economies in the world, and I think the second biggest army in the world that like, he's in charge of. It's quite scary that he has the finger on those kind of buttons. But uh, yeah, Anthony, it's the greatest economy. It's the greatest economy in the world. Greatest economy. <laughs> just to just point quite, it out. That's quite a good impression. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, if Donald Trump joined the chipmunks, that was pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Snap. Snap. <laughs> Well, I like the right Anyway, boys, we'll leave Donald Trump where <laughs> he is. We've Donald Trump covered. We've Donald Trump covered. The Donald is done. The Don. Donald. Um, the, he'll probably resurface in the podcast in like two weeks' time because he's probably going to say something else that's really outlandish in the next couple weeks anyway. He, he normally is uh, the gift that keeps on giving is to say. But Trump, say something controversial. No way. <laughs> no, I know. It's far-fetched. I know it's, you know, it's just it's just me being hopeful more than anything else, really, like, you know. Like the Dustin strike twice happen. after all, Robbie. Never going to happen. No, no. That's true. That's true. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new segment on the show called What Would the Irish Do? Now, basically, what this revolves around is we're going to look up kind of like facts and sort of stories from yesteryear and ask what would the Irish do in this situation or what would the Irish make of this situation? So the story we have tonight, and this is, this is true, this actually happened in World War I. Um, there was a, a Lancaster bomber shot down one of the crew whose parachute had incidentally burned as the plane was obviously uh, burning as it fell, jumped from the plane as he rather hit the ground and die on impact than get burned in the plane. This is, this is the actual story. I know it's a bit morbid, but it gets better. He fell 18,000 feet or 5,500 uh, 5, meters, so five and a half kilometers. He survived the fall. And only suffered a sprained ankle because his fall was broken by pine trees and where he fell was heavily impacted with snow. What I'm asking here is, if you survived that fall and walked into an Irish bar and sat down and started telling your friends, Jesus, lads, I'm after making sure the war star deal. I'm after dragging myself through the woods. I'm after falling 18,000 feet out of a plane. What would the Irish say to that? Would he survive a junior C match? <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think if he fell that far, he could, he could survive a junior C. Probably just uh, make it through. Maybe do, maybe get the first half. Yeah, I think like he'd probably be marking Anto there, all right, but uh, I think he'd just just about get through it. <laughs> so I not think though, someone would uh, ask him what he was drinking. <laughs> or, smoking, you, or smoking. No. Uh, what have you been smoking, yeah. Yeah, Boys, I, I think like Anto, if you if you came into the pub, sat down beside me, and you told me that, I tell you to fuck off. Spray, right, so anyway, this this is scenario. This is scenario. This is me. So we can take away we can take away the alchemate here, right? We can take away the young man in question, the twenty one year old. This happened the twenty fourth of March, nineteen forty four. Okay, so it was, sorry, it was World War Two, bigger part, not World War One. But um, yeah, so I walk into the bar, Liam. Right now, it's nineteen forty four. Okay, so we're all in black and white. Okay, we're all, you know, we're all in, in, in the, we're not in the digital ages yet, you could say. Okay. I walk into the bar, Lebo, Lebo, and I'm, I have pine leaves in my hair, remember, and stuck to my jacket and stuff, you know what I mean? Like, all covered right. in snow. At, the, at this stage, TJ has only had eight points. <laughs> he's just only had eight points on his way to his 15, and then he's going to get his G&Ts that he was promised at the end of the night. Exactly, yeah. Right. Robbie right. Um, has yet to grow hair. At this point, as well, in 1944, um, I used to have hair in, in the past. So, <laughs> so you have here in 1944. No okay, it's bad. 
glad we cleared that up. Yeah. Okay. He had a nice slick 40s hairstyle. No, no, he had it in a ponytail back then. All right, that's what I'm envisaging. A ponytail in 1940s Ireland, I would have been shot. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but like now we have a lad walking into a pub that survived a plane crash from how far up. Well, there's a war going on. Up. There's a war going th- on, Liam. Come on. I think yeah. it'd be grand. I think it'd be grand. Yeah, well, we're sitting down at the bar, Limo, and I'm like, right, Limo, after falling, I'm at, literally, I jumped out of a Lancaster bomber that was after being shot down. I fell 18,000 feet, man. 18,000 feet, 5,500 meters, just for dramatic effect. And I survived. How hardy am I? I'd hit you a slap. I'd hit you a slap. You would. You'd break me over the bar, wouldn't you, in fairness? Like, you'd pick me up, you'd give me something to complain about. <laughs> Yeah, give me something to complain about. Yeah, I spray an ankle. I'll break through your legs and see how you like that. And then, and then you're getting the next round. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No respect for what you've just survived at all. Like, yeah. you know what I mean, like you know, filling me with a lie like that. You're yeah. getting the next. You're the next two rounds are yours. Would you shut up with your wings and would you go on by your round? <laughs> yeah, be a pure Irish mammy thing. You are you crying? Yeah, I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> Like it is, Liam, it's, can I ask you a question? Liam, as a, as a man, as a man, uh, Liam, if, as a man who uh, sprains his ankles quite uh, frequently, <laughs> would you feel a bit like uh, he was taking the piss out of you if he said that he fell out of an airplane at 18,000 <laughs> feet and he only sprained his ankle, whereas I'm sure you've sprained your ankle with uh, much less, no? Yeah, I, like, yeah I, I, turned, I was playing a rugby match one day and I just turned, there was no, near, no one near me. Um, and I kind of had to make a turn so I wouldn't go over the line. And I kind of like just twisted the ankle and I fell out over the line myself. But uh, yeah, that's how I sprained my ankle one time. Uh, but yeah. So you didn't like, fall out of a plane uh, 18,000 feet and sprained your ankle? No, I fell over my own body weight trying to turn. <laughs> <laughs> so basically an 18,000 foot fall. So an 18,000 foot fall is the equivalent to Liam's body weight falling off. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that's a man. statement and a half, isn't it? Yeah, he's got glass ankles. To Liam, Liam does he does? But like the size of me on these ankles, <laughs> <laughs> and the snake hips that are up above them. The snake hips can't take the ankles. <laughs> can't take the snake hip movement, you know. <laughs> yeah, like Liam is like you know just like massive shoulders, like proper like proper massive shoulders, and then he has like these really skinny legs, like. When he's walking around in the rugby pitch, he looks more like, say, a newborn calf on the slats. You know what I mean? Sort of like, he's sort of sprawling out in different directions, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, but uh, he's starting to squat a lot now, like, you know what I mean? Like, but I don't know whether that's to impress the ladies or whether it's to actually, like, build the muscle or a bit of boat and even. I don't know. You, sh- you should see my ass. You should see my ass lately. It's, it's getting there. It might be just to impress Mark. I don't know. Well, like, he's after leaving now, so I have, I have Robbie here to impress, so. Yeah, but like maybe you want to get, like get your ass in shape so Mark can come back to it. I think so. I don't know. I think this is something for another episode. That. Right. Okay. <laughs> hit hit, hit oh, me yeah. in the fields. Hit me in the fields. <laughs> I touched the nerve clearly with something really. No, but no. As credible as this story is, and it is actually genuinely true that uh, this this guy in this plane did actually survive this fall, um, just to pure luck of falling onto a bunch of well. I say a bunch of pine trees, a forest of pine trees, but that was impacted with snow on the bottom. Now, it suffered a sprained ankle, but if this happened to an Irish person, you're never going to be believed in a month of Sundays. Even the Gestapo that arrested this guy when they found him didn't believe the story until they found the wreckage of the plane later on. Did he land Which in Germany? Of, or was he landed in he Germany. Land? Yeah, apparently he landed in Germany from what I know, yeah. Bad break. Survive a fall. Hey, here's the Gestapo. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. Survive 18,000 feet, gets arrested. Yeah, it gets arrested by the Germans <laughs> in World War II. Not exactly ideal. Unless you were German, of course. If you were German, that'd be ideal, and it was like, but, uh, yeah. As, uh, yeah, as an experiment, uh, or as a story, I don't think this is going to work in Ireland, regardless of how true it is. No matter how if many pilots Sorry? If you were a pilot in a, in a war, and you were going out on a mission... Would you bring enough money for a pint or a couple of pints in your pocket just in case you got shot down and you had nothing else to do? You had to kill a bit of time before you got rescued? Would you bring uh, enough for a few pints? As a what? pilot going up to fly, is the idea not to stay in the sky and not to be shot down? Like, I don't think you'd be going up planning so, right, to get shot down. 
But just in case, like, you know. Just in case. Just in case. If there's a chance of points, yeah. I think <laughs> yes. I'd, bring, I'd bring a few quid with me, yeah. That's the most Irish part of this story, the chance of points at the end of it, isn't it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, just kind of, like, you can imagine as he's about to hit the ground, lads, if I survive this, points are on me. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? That would be definitely like some, someone Irish would just be so stubborn not to die there just to actually go and buy a pint. Yeah. That's why all the Irish squadron got shot down during the war. They went just went for pints. Just <laughs> went for pints. <laughs> Let the planes fly themselves. Leave the planes up there, lads. It'd be a distraction if anything else, like, you know what I mean? So uh, keep the Germans busy. But uh, I know, uh, yeah, incredible story, but uh, definitely wouldn't pass in Ireland. But anyway, I digress. We move on to our final segment. Our most famous segment, guys. The most eagerly anticipated segment of our podcast. Oh. Uh-huh. It's the highball. We really need a jingle for that, don't we? We gotta get a jingle for that. We gotta get a jingle for that. We can't just keep going off of me going. That's gonna get (laughs) as much and all as it is very arousing, Liam. I don't think it's gonna work. Yeah, that's like it's like the road runner. It's just gonna get annoying, like just hearing that little fucking meep meep every now and again. It's just sounds more like your mate and call, Liam. To be honest. What, my how or my Mimi? Your how, woo yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Liam's how has, has uh, turned many a, a woman. I'd say it has, yeah. <laughs> turned them to me or away? Turned them away, obviously. Um. <laughs> away, 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 away. <laughs> they were walking up going, hey, oh, shit, turn around and walk <laughs> away. Yeah, yeah. Is there another personal <laughs> trainer in the building? Did he just how at me? <laughs> <laughs> right, guys. TJ, you still alive there, by the way? I am, yeah. I know, I was just... Yes, you're going awful quiet, lad. <laughs> he's still researching the porn in- industry, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's busy. He's, you know, Liam, he's very busy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, he's that kind of busy. That kind of busy. Yeah, yeah, if we hear a couple What's of, like... Yeah, if we hear... Yeah, it's, it's a job is right. Um, <laughs> right. Hi, <laughs> boy, guys. Bet on, bet on. So, I was talking to one of Mark's friends the other day. Okay, okay. One of and his famous friends. One of his famous friends. I mean, Mark has many, many friends. Um, which we aren't, which is kind of the queer thing about <laughs> it. But uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we were talking about teenage discos and all that went on at teenage discos back in the day. And how if our parents had known what went on at said discos, we'd have never been allowed with a fucking car. Now, I don't know about you, like, I, I don't remember teenage discos as, um, you know, girls and drinking and all that kind of thing. Because I was quite unpopular with girls as a young lad. Uh, very unpopular. <laughs> so I never, ever really got, got with girls or anything like that. But I saw plenty of lads getting with girls. And, like, there was times where when I was in these discos, I was like, am I on a porn set? Like, it was, oh, it was hardcore, lads. What, what was your experience like? I'm going to have to take myself out with this one because I was never allowed to go to a teenage this one. Oh! <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I missed wow. all the crack, lads. I missed all the crack. Literally, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it wasn't my fault. It, like, it could be down to the fact that I was a fucking idiot, like, yeah, but uh, and I wasn't allowed out of the house, but, um, yeah, I was never, never went to one. Well, there's your fact of the day, Liam O'Neill. <laughs> the heartthrob of Kilkenny FC has never been to be a teenage disco, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Oh, and just God. to get it out there, I never will be to a teenage disco. Well, definitely not. Well, if you were now, I think you... <laughs> to be calling the cops, I think, Liam O'Neill. a guy here who's at least 25 years of age chatting up this 13-year-old. It's not, it's not appropriate. So... Um, yeah, no, I don't think that worked today, Limo. TJ, yeah. TJ the man, the heart, the heart trap. Yeah, what was your experience with TJ and his teenage discos? You used to have... I have to be honest here, TJ. Sorry to cut you off, but I've heard you actually were a heart trap <laughs> at these. Yeah, I used to have a good time at them. I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the very first one, yeah, it was cagey, it would have been. <laughs> Freuga one years ago but I know no sorry it'd be fresh for discos in Kilkenny sorry Freuga was after shortly after that but um, 
no, sorry, it was Froiga, then Fresh for Disco, sorry. Jesus, TJ, get it out, would you, man, to fuck? <laughs> it doesn't matter where it is, TJ, it's what happened inside it is what we want, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> would have, yeah, would have having success. Um, like we used success. to... Success. Great success. <laughs> success, <laughs> very much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We used, yeah, we used to have competition. I think my record one night was 50. TJ, 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 TJ. You're a big man, who are you? He's <laughs> not a heartthrob, he's a heartbreaker. TJ, <laughs> you know when we're not talking about like bottles of Coke consumed in a night, like we're talking about actual like... Uh, yeah, no, 50 in one night, yeah. You'd be what did you do? Just get him in a straight line and say, hey, <laughs> five seconds, all right, and then we move on. I know it's it's kind of a situation that you finish with one and then you look around or <laughs> friend would say, Here, will you shift me? And then you're kind of learning what wingman was meant to be like. I mean, um yeah, no, I, it's kind of awkward now because you'd actually spot people that you might have been with years ago and you're kind of saying, I know you because of that like. Um but I think the like they are after changing completely compared to now. I mean, back then, I know there would have been some alcohol involved, but not as much as, say, what's going on now. But, yeah, no, uh, I enjoyed them. Um, yeah. To say the least, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie? Well, definitely uh, somewhere kind of in the middle there. Uh, it was more kind of drinking session. I and stuff like that and I think my probably record for their for a night at a disco is probably two at a push and say so I don't know we're near 15 so uh, I think TJ uh, wins on that one well it's higher than my zero <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so I like yeah yeah it's um, just more about having a crack with your friends and stuff like that and yeah I suppose other people would have been like I don't know how I don't know how uh, like you can kind of get with that many people in one night. I don't know how those kind of conversations go down. You know, so I was obviously uh, out of the loop where I didn't have a good enough uh, wingman like TJ. <laughs> yeah, well, like it's the excitement of them I used to love. I mean, like our ones used to be on um, a couple. Of, would sorry, beg your pardon. I'm just starting to stutter over myself there. Uh, our ones used to be on about ten miles down the road here uh, in Rathdowney. Rathdowney discos used to be called and. Um, like the excitement of going to them, like you'd be you'd be waiting all week, like you know, to be on a Friday night, and you couldn't wait to get there. Like you'd walk in from school on a Friday night, the bag of school books would be fucked into the back of the lo- uh, of the wardrobe and not to be seen till Sunday night when Ben Rowe comes on. And like you're you're just all you're thinking of is right, okay, try and look good. You never know, could be a couple of girls there and might see me. No, never was. I mean, <laughs> like I was so unpopular with girls, it's not even funny. You always went there with such ambition, you know what I mean? Like, and with such kind of optimism. And then, yeah, um, there were. Uh, Anto, I just want yeah. to say it. If you want to shift, I'll shift you, man. I know, you're grand, thanks, Lemo. <laughs> just to throw it out there. Or if any of our listeners want to shift, Anto, we'll, we'll make it happen. No, listeners, you're fine. Now, thanks very much. I appreciate the offer and all. <laughs> Obviously not now because like you need like a substantial meal beforehand to go to his house and all but yeah. Covered when this all blows over in PPE. Yeah, covered yeah. in PPE. It'll be like, a, yeah, a socially distanced shift. Yeah, I think a shift at the moment is like the you know the part in E T where the where the boy touches E T's finger. That's pretty much a shift nowadays, like it's just kinda of any okay. contact at all is like, Oh my god, you know. But uh you know, TJ and Cisco's I, I thought they were great. I mean, number one the tunage at these discos was so much better than it is now. I mean, modern music is fucking tripe, I think, to be honest. Like, you take 90s dance tunes now, they were blaring at these, you know, like, you know, DJ Agostino blaring out the speakers. You'd be going mental to it, like, I used to be class. And, like, now but, you have... Uh, Man- Maniac 2000. Maniac 2000, classic, classic. Gala, Free From Desire. I mean, yeah. just the list goes on and on and on. Rhythm and Night. It's just, Four you know, minutes. Mr. Vane. I mean, it's just, oh, it's crazy, like, you know. Um... The tunes were great. Obviously, you're out with the boys, you know, so yourself and a few boys to go. It's the first kind of experience you had of, like, lads' nights out and stuff like that. And you just thought you were such a rebel. Just by walking in the door, oh, my God, I'm actually at a disco. This is amazing. And I know kids probably don't call them discos now. They probably call them orgies or some shit. But, 
Like, back in the day, they were called teenage discos and they were the business. And we're not talking that long ago, by the way. We're only talking... For you guys, what's the optimal ratio of uh, Lynx Africa for, uh, for wearing to a teenage disco? Oh, I, I have no answer to this. I, I don't know. I can't wear Like, I've never worn to a teenage disco. So. Basically, DJ enough, Pro, basically enough Lynx Africa where it looks like you're walking out of an entrance in dry ice. That's what I used to have. Like, just, <laughs> just where you're walking out where no one can actually see it. It's just all is foam. And then all of a sudden you walk straight out through the middle of it. That was my, <laughs> that was where I used to say, right, I just have the right amount now. T? Yeah, no, I was being honest. I say, like, you don't want to, like, at that age, you'd be kind of saying here, you spray half a can on. But no, I was kind of responsible that way that you'd be, like, you just have enough, maybe say five seconds of a spray or something that you big layers at this point is it, is the worst point now at this point the teacher is probably way too busy shifting to actually bother putting on deodorant he's probably yeah. shifting as he was in the shower like he was just like, just like right just we get him we get him lined up here lads and we'll get started <laughs> make one thing clear about it lads looking back on it it was it was kind of you're dead right it was kind of like animal house in a sense I mean, it was, it was, you wouldn't be like, you wouldn't be proud of it in a sense. It was just you're in competition with your friends. And that's the thing that, um, looking back on it now, it, yeah, it was probably the height of disrespect that you went, that you'd be kind of finished with one girl, then you go to another and all of that. It was the, I think looking back on it, but it was boys being boys like. And that's the, like, um, I I genuinely would be think, looking back now and saying here, geez, you wouldn't you wouldn't even dream if you could go back to do the same again. Like, yeah, teach like, limits themselves to thirteen girls in a night now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> much more responsible, a bit more conservative. You went Absolutely, very kind yeah. of. For a moment there, Tito, you went very kind of uh, philosophical on us. There, and I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Sure. I thought he was going to let us in on a secret or something. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is hitting deep, TJ. This is hitting deep. He's going to pass on the knowledge. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was young lads, Zach. It was young lads being idiots, uh, essentially. Um, yeah. And we're all included, I think. But Robbie, what was your, what was your, how much links did you wear? You never answered that question. Uh, probably a bit longer than five seconds and not as much as half a can so again somewhere probably in the middle there I'd imagine half a can like either the house would blow up or the person would probably probably need medical attention I'd say to kind of push it back out our lungs I'd imagine I doubt half a can would be good for you now you definitely wouldn't want to be having a cheeky smoke at a teenage secret disco because uh, <laughs> you just go up in flames yeah yeah just uh, a lot of boys on fire just walking around the place kind of like uh, maybe like Will Fire remember in uh, Talladega Nights I'm on fire I'm on fire <laughs> it's like a lot of lads running around with fire extinguishers trying to put lads out but uh, yeah no all because of Lynx Africa no teenage sisters were cool they were an awakening as such just was but uh, yeah definitely things have changed and I'm not sure they've changed for the better I mean yeah we're not uh, I I you know, hopefully people are not going around shifting 15 people in the night because that's just disgusting, lads, isn't it? I mean, that is just... Yeah, that's just really kind of disgusting. Like, like seriously, those, like, those, DJ, people, like, those people are terrible. You should be ashamed of yourself, like, really, like, you <laughs> mean, like, you know, and, like, you know, not to put the boo in around like that, but fucking hell, TJ, 15 in a night, like... I know. But, uh... Is this where sorry, you get your, your amount of points? Yeah, one, one point per shift. <laughs> <laughs> You couldn't get to teenage discos, Liam, so no, no. <laughs> well, I think you, you can't. Know, so. you can't. <laughs> it was back in your day, TJ, so it was a bit of a while ago. No, there was no, there was no under, underage drinking back then, huh? I <laughs> ah, no, no, definitely not, definitely not. Um, what sort of cans would you have went for? If you were to have a few sneaky uh, cans. Uh, Club Orange. <laughs> Club Orange. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Naggins of Vodka. That was... Man, Jesus, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man. Yeah, 
Jesus. TJ the Dark Forest there. <laughs> yeah. Not only was he a pimp, he was an alcoholic as well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's no wonder he's so quiet on the podcast. He's just trying to keep all these secrets in. <laughs> yeah, they can't know my secrets. <laughs> he's there just hooked to a drip of vodka. That's what he's, that's what he's doing. <laughs> I know, he's he's evolved now. It's a gin and tonic now. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, it's very good. important. A man of class. A man of class now. Man with some taste. berries in the glass. Of course. Like a fruit salad with some gin on it, basically, yeah. <laughs> little, little parasol. One yeah. of his uh, one of his five a day. One of his five a day, yeah, exactly, yeah. With a magazine all about the porn industry as well, of course. You know what I mean? Like just uh, complete the look. <laughs> Sorry to you. No, you're getting a, you're getting an awful dose tonight, here. Probably was worth the slagging. <laughs> the worst huh? thing about this, lads. The worst thing with this, I can I can clearly picture TJ doing all this, just laying off. Got porn mag in one hand, glass of G and T in the other. Uh, I can picture it. It's not, it's a good and it's not a good image all at the same time. Fifteen young ones <laughs> <laughs> lined up, up outside the door. Just she's <laughs> teaching you some memories of teenage discos. Christ Almighty! I thought I was doing well getting in the door. I uh, know there were fun times, fun times, but yeah, no, it was it was just like it was saying, boys being boys. That was it. Um, Maybe it was a mad crowd I was with, but I know it was fun times. Yeah, well, sure, look. Fun times, and, uh, yeah, on that note, I think it's time to say goodbye, guys. We leave together. Yeah. So, (laughs) I'd like to say a big thanks to all the listeners for listening in, Um, and uh, we will see you again next week. So, from all of us here on the Two Hands and Hurl podcast, keep your two hands on the fucking hurl. I'm going to see you soon. See you. Good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck. Good luck, good luck, good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Thank you for listening to the Two, Two Hands, Hands in a Hurl podcast. podcast.